Good morning, friends. The passage of scripture that we're looking at this morning embraces the memory verse. It's 1 John chapter 4, the first six verses. Memory verse is verse 3, and uh, our text for today uh, is verse 4, or part of verse 4. So I want now to read to you 1 John chapter 4. And the first six verses. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false teachers have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist. One of the heresies that was being uh, spread uh, around at the time that John wrote this was what they called Gnosticism. And one of the things that they believed was that the Messiah had not come in the flesh. And and John is saying these things. He he is writing here uh, to counter that heresy. Okay, uh, I'll go back to verse 3. But every spirit that does acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Lord, speak to us through your word today, we pray. Words are meant to communicate a message. And we know, Lord, that you want to speak to us through the scriptures today. We pray that you will give us understanding and that your spirit will show us those things that you want us to take and to apply to our lives because we have spent this time before you today. Guide us, we pray, in our thinking and in our deciding. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Part of verse 4 is to me a message of both challenge and encouragement and I hope that it will be that for you too this morning. It contains a wonderful truth uh, that can make the difference between uh, cowardly uh, cowering and quitting or standing up and, and strongly and courageously Uh, working and fighting for our Lord and for truth. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The Apostle John said that this fact, that the one that was in the Christians, that is the Holy Spirit, the fact that that one who was in the Christians was there in their lives was the reason that they had been able to overcome the things that they were facing Uh, at the hands of of the Antichrist. 
Why do I think that it is important for us to be, be reminded of this? Because of what is happening in our world today. Because of the things that are going on in our country and in, in other parts of the world. It is the spirit of antichrist, the against Christ spirit. It is this that motivates these things that we see going on in our world today. There is hatred between nations. There is racial hatred within nations. There is moral, a morally bankrupt entertainment industry that is not remotely concerned with the effect of that entertainment uh, on humanity. There is a totally irresponsible pornography uh, industry that addicts and depraves and enslaves. There is a murderous drug market fueled only by greed. There is a gambling industry that is ruining lives and families and is condoned by governments simply because of the revenue that they receive from it. There is a blatant disregard for moral standards that the standards that, that have served a past generation and that have served our families well in bygone days. And there is the violent and the murderous uh, agenda of religious terrorists. And that's just a few of the things that, uh, that I'm citing to remind you of the state that our world is in and, and of the fact that these are antichrist activities. It is the spirit of antichrist. I'm not when I speak about antichrist. I'm not speaking about a person here. I'm speaking about a, a community attitude. It is the attitude of the people in the community, people who are against Christ. And it seems that very often we as Christians fail to engage in battle with this antichrist spirit in the world because we are not convinced of the extent of our resources as Christians. It seems that we see the a demonstration of the capabilities and the power of the antichrist spirit in the, the kind of humanly degrading and God-dishonouring situations that I've listed. And we automatically seem to tell ourselves, well, we can't stand against that. We've just got to vacate the field and let them do it. They're, they're unable to be defeated. Uh, we can't stop them. That seems to be the, the response that we make so often. And it almost seems sometimes as though the church has, has capitulated to the against Christ spirit. Because we have not been convinced that the resources we have are greater than the resources of the anti-Christian world. We seem so often not to be convinced of that. So we are looking at the, the implications this morning of 1 John 4.4 because it tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Our God is the creator of this universe. He is the redeemer of mankind. 
He is the provider of eternal life for all who will put their trust in him. And the spirit of his son Jesus Christ is a creative, constructive, uplifting, liberating spirit. Whilst the spirit of Antichrist is a destructive, deceptive, down-tearing spirit. Verse 3 says, Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not of God. This is the spirit of Antichrist of which you have heard that it was coming and now is in the world already. Is it not massively obvious to us that the spirit of Antichrist is not only in the world but is very active in the world in 2022? Jesus spoke of this evil power with, with Satan as its champion on numerous occasions as the power which was in control of the unregenerate world, the unsaved world, and which motivated all ungodly activities. In John 14.30, when he had spoken about the Holy Spirit's coming and as he approached the cross, he said, I will no longer talk much with you for the prince or the ruler of this world is coming. He has no power over me. Jesus said that the one who is so active in the world has no power over him. Was he inferring that it did have power over so many people? I'm sure he was, but he said, no, it has no power over me. But then chapter 16, verse 11 of John's Gospel records Jesus saying that the Holy Spirit will convince the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. And the Apostle Paul, uh, referring to, to Satan and his agents, uh, uh, agents, speaks to the Ephesians of the, the work of transformation that Jesus Christ has done in them. And he writes, and you he made alive when you were dead through trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That is the spirit that is in those who disobey God and are therefore against Christ. So the scriptures recognise the, the presence in the unregenerate world of a deceptive, destructive, spiritual power which at all times and in all ways seeks to tear down the transforming, peace-giving work of God. This is he who is in the world that John refers to. And speaking of Antichrist, then in the world, John says, little children, you have overcome them that is the Antichrist activities, you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He is rejoicing in the fact that so many of these people to whom he has been writing have been living victorious lives and he's saying the reason for you having that victory is that the spirit of God in you is greater than the spirit in the Antichrist world. We receive the Holy Spirit 
when we repent and claim the forgiveness that has been provided by our Lord Jesus Christ, put our trust in him and accept his lordship in our lives. And Jesus claimed, and the New Testament writers claimed, that he had won victory over all the powers of evil. Now, it doesn't always appear that way at every stage of the battle, but Christ's victory on the stage of earth was a a real and a conclusive victory. The powers of evil did the worst they possibly could to him, even to the extent of destroying his body, his physical body on the cross. And yet in the end he emerged victorious through his glorious resurrection and and in thus defeating evil in spite of how things had looked, Christ proclaimed that in spite of how things looked then, Jesus Christ was victorious and he will be victorious throughout the whole course of this world's history. Evil will ultimately and conclusively be defeated by good with Jesus Christ as the warrior champion. With this kind of assurance in their minds, the heroes of Old Testament days lived and, and served with, with the assurance that what God said was right and, and good and true, was right and good and true. They were on the side of him. And, and because of that, they fought and died victoriously. Men like David and Joshua and, and, and Daniel convinced that because they were on God's side they would ultimately be vindicated and in New Testament days people like John the Baptist and Stephen and Peter and and Paul and and this writer uh, John knew this truth that he who was in them was greater than he who was in the world and in that assurance they lived and suffered and served their God and their generation and in many cases they died for that. And today we need to follow in their train. We need to be quite sure that because we have the Holy Spirit in us, our cause will ultimately be victorious. In what kind of situation, how and where do we need to apply this assurance? Well, firstly, this assurance can be our strength when we face times of fear-induced depression. I believe that quite often depression is caused by, by fear of something real or unreal, conscious or unconscious. And when it is, let us ask, what do we need to fear if the spirit in us is greater than the spirit in the world around us? Secondly, this assurance can be our strength in times of persecution and even in times of ill-treatment, torture. How, just how, do people who are facing some of the things that Christians in other parts of the world are facing now, how do they withstand that? And still love and forgive their, their tormentors only because they know that he who is in them, the Spirit of God, is real and, will, and is more powerful 
ultimately than the, the opposing forces. And just as Jesus knew when he was suffering on, a, on the cross, not only physically but also suffering the, the experience of separation from his Father God because he was bearing the sins of the world, just as he knew that, so this marvellous truth, this marvellous reality can give victory to over all kinds of pain, physical, uh, emotional, mental, and victory in and over death through the Holy Spirit within God's people. And thirdly, this same assurance can be our strength. And you might find it hard to understand why I'm saying this. In times of peacemaking, when the spirit of suspicion and revenge and hatred and disunity is so prevalent, how can we bring a spirit of understanding and forgiveness and trust in such a situation by remembering that he whose word says, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. He is the greater spirit, greater than the spirit of suspicion and disunity. And fourthly, this assurance can bring strength as we face social injustice. And I have to say that I, I really do believe that as Christians we are doing far too little about this. I believe that there is a time for Christians to protest and to be activists. And one of the reasons why peace-loving and, I'll say, idealistic young people are involved in some of the protests they are, I think it's not because they are necessarily persuaded, uh, totally persuaded about that cause, but because they see people there who are enthusiastic and they don't see Christians as being enthusiastic about their cause. A story has just popped into my mind and I wasn't intending to say it, but I, I heard recently of a a Christian who was captured by a communist group and, and the communist wanted to learn the, the uh, English language and so he was speaking to this Christian who was uh, English and uh, or spoke English anyway. And, and he became very interested in reading and hearing the stories of the Bible and that kind of thing. And the day came when the Christian said to this guy, do you realise that, that you could be captured and you could be killed at any time? And he said, I would do anything to further my cause. He said, the communist cause is a greater cause than the Christian cause. He said, I know that Christianity means something to you, but to me, communism means everything. What a different attitude. And I think that there are a lot of people, a lot of young people in particular perhaps, who, who participate in the protests that they do, partly because they haven't seen much, much enthusiasm from the other side. We really ought to read the, the prophecy of Amos and, and Hosea uh, and uh, see how in God's name those prophets denounced social injustice 
And we need to remember that our Lord Jesus Christ did the same in his, his earthly ministry. And we ought to engage in such Christian battles whenever we meet those evils in the strength and in the assurance that the spirit in us is greater than the spirit in the unsaved world. And the same strength can be ours in the battle against moral permissiveness, which uh, is constantly and progressively eroding the, the, the dignity uh, that, uh, that we knew in previous, the human dignity that we knew in previous generations. Someone wrote recently, a good test of a Christian congregation is whether it has ever met head-on the challenge of anti-Christian prophets. Have we? Have we really met head-on the challenge of anti-Christian prophets? Anti-Christian prophets is really a good description for those people who have promoted and supported and ultimately put through our governments in the last couple of years. And I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm talking about because I could be quite politically incorrect if I do. But these people are anti-Christian prophets. A good test of a Christian congregation is whether it has ever met head-on the challenge of anti-Christian prophets. Sometimes I think that we are less concerned about what is happening in the community, what is being done by these people, these anti-Christian people, and we are more concerned about our own preservation. Sometimes I think we take an attitude of, well, let them say what they want to say, let them do what they want to do, so long as they don't disturb us in the church, so long as we can continue to be comfortable. So do we have any real concern about what the anti-Christian world is doing to our, to our society, to men and women and girls and, and boys? Are we afraid to challenge and to fight that spirit? We have seen the success that that spirit in our materialistic decaying society has achieved and we just seem to believe we can't fight it. Will we not believe the assurance of this scripture that we are looking at today? That the spirit in us is greater than the spirit that is in the Antichrist world. I, I would commend to you the organisation known as the Australian Christian Lobby. The Australian Christian Lobby is a, a gathering together of people of many denominations who are concerned about the kind of things we're talking about and who are advocating for Christian truth and Christian principles and seeking to influence government representatives and, and many others. Do you know, I think it, it might be a good idea if every morning when we first wake up and before we put our feet on the floor, we would say, today I will remember 
that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. The same writer John says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And when we embrace and appropriate the truth that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world, then we shall stand strong and and confident as overcomers like John was urging his readers to do and daring to do in the name of the Lord what otherwise we would never even consider. I, I love that song that says, He lifts me up so I can stand on mountains. He lifts me up to walk on troubled seas. And I am strong when I am on his shoulders. He lifts me up to more than I can be. There will always be those who strongly and forcefully present the message of Antichrist. They are anti the one before whom every knee shall bow and the one to whom one day every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And it's great to know we're on that winning side, isn't it? I don't know whether any of you know the name Tony Campolo. Some of you have heard of him and have heard him preach. He's a Baptist preacher who's much sought after. He, he gave a wonderful sermon, an Easter sermon called It's Friday but Sunday's Coming. <laughs> and and another sermon that he gave was talking about the kind of things we've been talking today. And I think that towards the end of the message he, he, he might have realised that he had perhaps left a somewhat despondent note and and his listeners and he said don't be despondent don't be discouraged and these were the last words of his sermon he said I've read the final chapter we win loving father we thank you for your word and we thank you for any challenge that might have come to us through it today Lord, we know that the enemies of Jesus Christ are so active and so confident and we pray that we might take with us the assurance that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That we might take that with us every day and that we might live lives that will glorify you, that will proclaim your message that will make you known as the Lord and Saviour who came and gave his life so that we might be redeemed and so that we might spend eternity with you. Lord, we just, in the quietness of this moment and from the depths of our hearts, offer ourselves again to you to use us to bring glory to your name and people into your kingdom. For Jesus' sake, amen.